Hey everybody, welcome back to About to Review, the podcast in which we talk about movies, TV shows, and IKEA furniture and review it. Uh, I am joined by my friend Andy. Hey! On today's episode, we are going to be reviewing Batman vs. Superman. Dun dun dun! The subtitle is actually Dawn of Justice, not Dun Dun Dun. So if you're looking for that, you are going to be disappointed. Uh, so Andy, how about you? Might you might be disappointed anyway, John. Oh, whoa, whoa! Talk it into spoilers yet? Sheesh. Andy, how about you start us off? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. You know, it's it, it's a two and a half hour movie. It's crash. It's bang. It's wallop. It's uh, it's major damage. Um, prefaced by I think about six minutes of character development. Yep. Uh, that <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, so, the rough storyline. I say rough because it it takes some turns and goes some different places. Uh, centers around. I mean, as the title suggests, Batman versus Superman. Yes, they do end up fighting each other. Is it very long? Possibly not. Um, but they they do end up fighting each other. So you will not be disappointed by that. So one of the one of the concerns I had was right in the intro. So in about the first five minutes, they do the Bruce Wayne origin story, which for some Again. reason, they have to, they feel the need to do it in every movie. We get it. I mean, it, this character has been around for a long time. Granted, the first time we saw a cinematic version of this was only in 1989 with, you know, Bat, the original Batman by Tim Burton. So, but people get it. People know, people know that uh, his parents were gunned down. You know, coming out of a theater. Why, why do we need to see it again? Do not know. And why do we not need to see the Superman origin story in at the same time? True. I mean, I think because Man of Steel did just come out a few years ago. Maybe, but Batman did come out longer than that, and they still felt the need to do it. That being said, the origin story. It was done well. I mean, it was it was kind of the same thing. They gave Thomas Wayne almost a, a different character arc than he has ever had before. So when the gunman, who in various iterations has been named, so the actual gunman who killed Bruce Wayne's parents was Joe Chill. So when Joe Chill has the gun on them, you see Thomas Wayne kind of ball up his fist like he is going to attack him. That was different. And it was it was an interesting choice, but I was not sure why they why they decided to make that choice. They have to do something a little bit different each time. Yeah, uh, all there's right. been so many different iterations <laughs> of of Batman, and he's been portrayed in so many different ways that when you start a new series, you get to change a little bit of whatever the heck you want to. True. So, so that happens within the first couple minutes they kind of get the origin story out of the way of batman of batman out of the way one thing that i feel like they could have done better oddly enough the best origin story for batman in film was in the tv show gotham which is not good uh but you see bruce wayne when his parents get gunned down just fall to his knees and just scream 
And in this, he does that, but it is muted. And I feel like that would bring a visceral tone to it. And a movie like this, that was all about visceral tones, I feel like that that could have been done. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's maybe one of the only restrained moments of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, part of the that intro scene that had me really worried was when you see Bruce Wayne running through the forest, falling into the well, like he does every time, and then when the bats come at him, there's this moment where, and this is not a spoiler, it's within the first five minutes, so calm down, where the bats start circling him, and he has this moment of clarity, and then starts flying. Starts flying up it's out the of rapture. the well. <laughs> And it was just weird. And I I was sitting there, and I got real worried. I was like, please, 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 no. Turns out it was a dream. So I, I, that made me happy. Yeah. Um, but the movie itself, so it stars, as everyone knows, uh, Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Zack Snyder directed it, uh, has Amy Adams as Lois Lane, um, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, as Perry White, but he is kind of barely in it, and I feel underutilized, but the movie is not really about him, nor is it a Superman movie, so you do not really need to focus on him that much. Uh, but the big star was Gal Gadot as Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to th- say anything. You carry on, John. Oh, this, this is part of a podcast, no, this dialogue between, but it is okay. I, I will keep going. Um, so Batman and Superman. Okay, I need to say okay, something. Then. Go for okay. it. Uh, I mean, uh, what what the what the listeners need to know is mm-hmm. that that John has been a lifelong comic fan, yes, aficionado, expert. <clears throat> Me, I came very late to comics. I I didn't really have uh, Marvel or DC when I was growing up. Um, so mainly I, because they were still writing on papyrus at that point, so cuneiform, it was pretty difficult. Cuneiform, oh, right. actually, um, and 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 so I, I didn't have any major attachments to thing. I saw some, I saw the TV stuff and 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 so on. But when I was kind of like finally introduced to um, the magazines themselves, you know, it was Marvel, and I kind of liked the the various characters and stuff they came up with. I, and then being introduced to the to DC, it was like. This is just not nearly as good. So I'm I'm laying my cards on the table here. Okay. I'm I'm Marvel, not DC. I, I I really am not a big fan of Superman and Wonder Woman. Wonder oh, Woman. Well. I'm sorry. No. But carry on. No. Yeah. Sure. She was the star. Whatever. So she she was one of she definitely kind of stole the show in certain parts, and that was really nice. But yes, Andy definitely has a good point. Um, to put it in a different context. If you are a detective on a police force and something happens to your family or someone that you are connected with and you're investigating it, the sergeant is going to be like, hey, whoa, whoa, you are too close to this. You need, you need someone else to do this who is objective. I really tried um, <laughs> to be objective, but I just, I could not. Uh, and full disclosure, on my bed right now, I have a pillowcase on there that is a Superman pillowcase that I have had on every pillow since I was four years old. So... <laughs> Am I a little bit biased? Do I take this pretty seriously? Yes. Uh, so, that with that out of the way. So, as far as the the actor portrayals, 
lay, lay it on me, Andy. What, what you got? <laughs> you, you've already mentioned the main characters, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to throw in, um, a, a, you know, a, a, some kudos to uh, Michael Shannon as General Zod. Um, um, and I want to say that because he was probably one of the least stiff actors of the entire movie. Uh, it is really hard not to go into anything with because I, I we will try and avoid spoilers for new movies that come out. Um, so I, I just I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, see the movie and you'll see what I mean. Yeah. So moving on to the other actor portrayals, uh, I will say that Ben Affleck. He was a great Bruce Wayne. Um, he was, he was just he was good. He had he had some gravitas to him. He had some experience to him. Um, now, as his Batman, because when you look at these characters, you have to separate them. You have to have an actor who can play both Clark Kent and Superman, Bruce Wayne and Batman, and that is a tough thing to do. And I, I I don't think Ben Affleck managed that at all. He was he was Batman whether he was in a bat suit or a penguin suit. <laughs> uh, he actually does not wear penguin suit, and he's referring to the tux that he wears. Uh, apologies, to, tuxedo to a, to a gala. Uh, so yeah, I mean he, he was a good Bruce Wayne. His Batman though was brutal. I mean, one of the words that immediately came to me when I was thinking of the movie was jarring. Everything about this movie is jarring. From just the visceral nature of the fight sequences to the soundtrack, which when it hits, it hits hard. And yes, I mean, so we did see it in IMAX, you know, so that definitely is part of it. I mean, we saw it with the best laser projection and the best sound system. It was the music was was pretty overwhelming. It was very percussive, and it, it just uh, it took over your senses unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, there were definitely parts when it when it came on, it was just like, oh, okay, is it is that really needed right now? So uh, that was Ben Affleck, uh, Henry Cavill. He has what I call the Dean Kane complex, which is to play both Clark Kent and Superman. Your Clark Kent has to be bumbling has to be aloof so that no one really suspects it dean kane from the Los, from the new adventures of Lois and clark um he was way too good looking as clark kent and looking at him you're like wait a minute <laughs> and so when you see henry cavill he is a damn good looking man mm-hmm. and the only difference with the superman is that he slicks his hair back yeah so the only superman to really nail that in live action was christopher reeve Mm-hmm. When his Clark Kent, he had his shoulders hunched. You know, he spoke really soft. He tripped over his words. And then when he became Superman, stood up taller. So it was a total character change. Brandon Routh tried it in Superman Returns, but all he was doing was a Christopher Reeve it did. Yeah, it, it totally seemed to me like everybody already kind of knew that Clark Kent was Superman and they were just trying to, you know, save his feelings by pretending not to know that he <laughs> is, was in fact Superman. Uh, to know and Lois is no help in that at all, because just like in Man of Steel, okay, if you if your partner is Superman or any costumed hero, and you see them out in the world in that costume, call them by their costume name. She runs up to him on two different occasions. Clark, he is wearing a Superman suit. Like it's you, a giveaway. 
It really is. Like, one of them is right outside of a taxi. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're a reporter. You've got to be street That's smart. what I'm saying. Everybody, everybody already knew it, and they were just pretending not to know it. Yeah, so it was just... It, that, that, was, that was an odd choice. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Boy, did he put this at 11. I mean, every character, everything that he did was just over the top. And it just... It was totally unnecessary. Really? You think so? I think so because, again, when you look at the dichotomy of these split personality characters, when you have to play both, with Lex being this, you know, over-the-top, eccentric character... That is fine if that is his public persona, just like Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent have their public personas. If they had given us one scene of Lex by himself in a totally calm atmosphere, just doing research, doing some science, whatever he wants to do, where you, get, where you would get to see that maniacal nature of him without it being over the top, that would have leveled out his character. But instead, beginning to end, he is at 11. I, w- I was waiting for him to be really over the top, and I think I think I take a slightly different opinion. I, I, I th- you know, not really being that famil- familiar with the Lex Luthor character, I, mm-hmm. I thought he did pretty well. I thought he was pretty restrained as the eccentric, um, uh, but brilliant guy who has the twitches and the tick. And, and all that kind of stuff. I, I thought, I mean, but obviously he's distracted. He's going to be distracted right. in this movie because he wants whatever the heck he wants. I'm not sure what he wants. But. Speaking of, <laughs> so speaking of which, what does he want, John? Seriously, that was one of the things I wrote down with my notes. Why? Okay, so Lex's plan in this is kind of as, and this is in the trailers. Uh, you know, son of Krypton versus bat of Gotham. So he wants Superman to fight Batman and kill Batman so that people do not think Superman is a squeaky clean type of person. What? In this, in this, in this version of the DC Universe, this Batman is a murderer. Like, he, he has killed people in the other movies before, kind of, you know, by happenstance, uh, knocking someone down a manhole cover who has a grenade strapped to them and not carrying it as you watch the manhole explode? Sure. This Batman does not mess around. Uh, so he, in the public eye, this Batman is, is an extreme vigilante. Why would Superman stopping him portray Superman negatively in the public? It just, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, from beginning to end, I really wasn't quite sure what the point was, what the direction was, and and various motivations. Again, you know, some of this was was uh, uh, the wooden acting and and perhaps some of the direction. But I think the screenwriting has to take a, a lot of uh, uh, responsibility for being yeah. just not directionless in some ways. I mean, other than where is the next fight going to be? Oh, let's put it here. Yeah, and. One of the things that this made this reminded me of, when you're going someplace new, when you're driving to a friend's house you have not been to, and you know you have to get there at a certain time and you are rushed to get there, but you are not sure where you are going, that was the entire movie. It constantly felt like, they need to get here, they need to get here, they need to get here, but why? So it was just, it was directionless. Um, so... It, yeah, th- there were there were odd choices with that. Uh, so that aside, plot aside, 
Uh, I mean, and the, okay, real quick. There's also this one of the reasons that Superman is uh, going in front of senators, which is also in the trailer, has the most convoluted story. Superman basically gets blamed for a situation in Africa where some people are shot and killed, and they blame Superman. He doesn't really shoot people, does he? No. No, not really. Typically. Uh, typically not. In this movie, does he brutalize people? Uh, one person in particular, not Batman. Yes. Uh, he kind of flies someone through two, not one, two brick walls. So, But he doesn't really need a gun. So. No, and so what, yeah, and so this whole thing of he needs to answer for these crimes where these people were shot it yeah that that was just an an odd direction to go and it took so much of the movie where Lois Lane is investigating it and doing this and this and it just it it seemed pointless uh but okay moving on from that action go uh, what have we come to expect in in uh, action movies now? Uh, tons and tons of uh, CGI mm-hmm. buildings falling, explosions, uh, things uh, just going every which way. And and this one, this this movie has in spades. Um, is it good? Is it good? It's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, technologically, uh, technically, it, yeah, uh, it is definitely excellent. Uh, do, do I care by the end of the movie? Um, no, not really. Yeah, uh, that was the other thing, is seeing it in IMAX, there were definitely times when when you could tell it was filmed with IMAX cameras. When Batman and Superman first face off for their fight, it looked absolutely incredible. Uh, when you see the detail on Batman's armored suit and all of that, uh, yeah, so visually looked great uh batman was an actually competent fighter in this one and not just throwing haymakers everywhere that was good to see and they definitely took a lot of cues from the batman or the arkham series of games over the past few years so that was good but again this batman is brutal in one of the fight scenes uh he gets shot a couple times and does not get hurt bullets kind of bounce off of his suit not the armored suit his regular suit it's a rubber suit john right in that same fight he gets stabbed through the shoulder (laughs) okay so your suit is bulletproof but not knife proof actually uh you know to bring us back to reality that is a possibility reality yeah you can have bulletproof jackets which are not knife proof Okay. Can I? Hey, you you talked about cues. Here's here's a little cue. I wonder if you noticed, mm-hmm. which I don't know if it was intentional or not. I don't know if you've seen Blue Velvet, um, but <laughs> the movie from thirty five years ago. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, that's why I'm wondering if this was an intentional homage or okay, something. Go ahead. But at the end of Blue Velvet, uh-huh. and, and maybe it's at some other point in time, there's um, kind of like a robin on the fence outside which is clearly uh you know controlled by wires and i think is intended to be like that because you can see it it twitch and it (laughs) and just jerky and and the the wings flap like that (laughs) i I couldn't believe it but at the end of the fight the climactic fight scene there were were a couple of crows on lampposts which (laughs) really looked 
I mean, sort of, it was incredible. Their, their wings flapped like the robin from Blue Velvet. And I was thinking, okay, so you Why? spent $225 million right. on the CGI of this movie and then you throw in, uh, you know, the crappiest looking um, bird work that I've seen <laughs> since, I don't know, well, since Blue Velvet. What, was that an homage or was that, was that they just ran out of the last $100 million? I have, I have no idea. One thing that I thought was interesting when it came to uh, life, we will say, in Man of Steel, that movie took a whole bunch of crap for Superman barreling through this city and killing a whole bunch of people. Inadvertently, buildings are crashing and everyone is you know, getting affected by that. Three or four different times in this movie, you heard generals, you heard media, you heard people in the movie being like, oh, luckily they're in the financial district and everyone has gone home already. I was like, wait, What? <laughs> And then they take a fight to a different part, and they're like, oh, this island is uninhabited. So they really were driving that home, and it was just like, I get it. Like, you recognize what happened, but that seemed unnecessary. So as far as the wire work for the crows, I I have no explanation of that. (laughs) Well, let's just say that this this film is not, is, is, sorry, is lacking completely Mm -hmm. in subtlety. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely is is very true john your your rating system tell us about it so the rating the rating system for this podcast uh there are only three options only three only three i was going to go with only two but i decided to go with three so they are good which is that can be anything from it was a good movie to it was the best movie i have ever seen the middle option is bad bad is it was decent I do not regret seeing it, but I might not watch it again. And Ugly, I regret seeing that. That was two hours of my life that I will never get back. Avoid it. Do you want, you, you want my opinion? Um, my, my point, Scott, me, my score. Real quick, before you go into right, yours, right. one of the things that I wanted to touch on, two, quick, two more quick things. Is this movie good enough to start its own franchise like Marvel has now built and has movies planned out for the next... 10 15 years my answer is no for whatever reason warner brothers is feeling the pressure now to be like we need to build a franchise right now we need to build all this huge universe so we can catch up with marvel marvel took six years to do that and dc is trying it right off the bat and it was just way too heavy-handed i believe this movie grossed 170 million dollars in its first weekend so that is the other thing warner brothers if this movie is making money every weekend. Uh, the total right now, I think, is at $463 million. Wow. So it is making money. There are people that said that it will need to make $900 million to be profitable. But Warner Brothers, all of the critics who do not like it... I smell franchise. I, yeah. I, it just might happen. Uh, but yeah, and then Gal Gadot, she, she was great as Wonder Woman when you actually see her as Wonder Woman. Her intro music... Although it was jarring, it fit the character. It was thematically uh, appropriate. So that was that was nice. All right. So to your rating of good, <laughs> bad, and ugly. Well, I, th- I think you may find uh, be surprised that I'm 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 still gonna. Oh. No, I'm I'm I'll, I'll go with I'll go with bad. Okay. I mean, it's it's, right. it's certainly edging towards the the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it was just 
okay enough that I don't actually regret seeing it. Okay. Now, I have a caveat with my rating. <laughs> so, <laughs> normally... This is so not Normally okay. with bad, it would mean that I would not see this again. Technically, I saw this twice. The first time I see it, I saw it, I saw it at an advanced screening, and the last 30 minutes, the projector completely crapped out. The servers went down. So we all got tickets to see it again. So I saw this movie twice. <laughs> that being said... Do you regret seeing it twice? Do I regret it? No. Mm. Will I see it again in the near future? No. <laughs> uh, so I, I really I hate to do it because I want DC to succeed. I want these characters to succeed. Any movie they make of this, I will go and see it. But I got to give this a bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I don't see how you can give it a good, honestly. Yeah. And again, there, this movie took a lot of flack from critics before it even came out. It was getting panned on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so, you know, Warner Brothers came out with their statements and everything. But it was, it was not a good movie. It just, it was not. I think if there's if there's one bit of faint praise I can give it, it is that it's not as bad as the reviews that I've seen of it. I think yeah, I, th- I think it took some unnecessary heat, but but yeah, if if you want to see a big blockbuster in the theater, go for it. If you can wait, go for it. So, sound advice. Yeah. So there you have it. So Andy gave it a bad. Unfortunately, I have to give it a bad. Also, not that I do not like agreeing with Andy. I try in principle to disagree with him, uh, but I, I got to agree with him. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> Contrarian. So, yeah, I give it a bad also. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. The movie is in theaters now. Uh, go check it out. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at about to review. Uh, you cannot find Andy on social media unless you can write in cuneiform on papyrus and send it by carrier pigeon. So for that being said, I have been John and I've been Andy until next time. <laughs>